Amen, amen. How's it going, church? Doing fantastic, man. Hey, um, a while back I was doing some research for my day job. If you don't know, uh, along with having the honor of serving here, I also have a full-time job outside of this. Uh, and I am a salesman. Uh, and so what that means, number one, is that you can't trust me. Um, just kidding. Um, but I was doing some research, uh, and I sell software. Uh, particularly, I sell software uh, to construction companies. And in that, I sell con- construction software to HR people. Uh, and if you know anything about construction, you know that they're not super fun people all the time. And if you know anything about construction HR people, you know that they're even more not always the most fun people to talk to. And so I was doing some research uh, for when I make these sales calls. Uh, and what happens a lot of the time is when I'm making these calls, the Noah that they get on Monday morning is the same Noah that I'm here on Sundays, right? So I'm generally a pretty energetic, positive, uh, outgoing type of person. And when I call uh, someone at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning, I can promise you I've never had someone meet my energy, right? Like they usually meet me with a, hey, uh, or I call and I'll say, hey, this is Noah calling you with exact time. And they'll go, Whoa, 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 I'm going to need you to dial it back a little bit. Like, (laughs) how do you have this much energy on a Monday morning? Uh, And so I'm trying to get better at my job, trying to perfect uh, my craft. And so I typed into Google uh, how to make people be nicer to me. And just kidding, I actually typed in uh, how to be more effective in sales, right? So I was doing some research Uh, And I came across an article that said this. Effective salespeople are masters of the basics. Here are some of the things that they recommended that you do on a sales call. They said, number one, point out something to show that you are knowledgeable about them. Number two, they said, offer a compliment. Uh, This is something that's particularly interesting in my field uh, because I'm doing it uh, electronically over the phone. uh, So I can't not necessarily say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, I like your shirt. Because they would think, oh, are you like stalking me? How do you know what shirt I'm wearing? Uh, And that one doesn't go over the best. Number three, it says, uh, point out a current event. Number four, it says to find a common ground. And number five, it says to tell a story, right? These are all tips and feedback to make sure that you don't sound like a telemarketer um, in trying to sound more personal. And what I figured uh, is if I can make this to where people will pay attention to me and my job, it's got to work in the church setting too, right? Like, If I do all of this, it means you guys have to listen to me. So I'm going to give it a chance here, uh, and I'm going to say, hey, people, you guys look familiar. Do you go to Generations Church? You guys all look super nice today. I I can't get over it. Uh, You look wonderful. And today is Sunday, right? That's a current event. Uh, And then the last thing I will point out is that everything I just did so far has been in a story form, so you are now forced to listen to me uh, for the next 20 or 25 minutes. Uh, And I actually read further down in this article and said, caution, 
Do not use more than one or two of these in a call or else you'll sound like a robot and you'll get hung up on. Uh, but what do they know anyways? <laughs> For those of you who don't know me and you're like, hey, what did I get myself into this morning? Uh, my name is Noah Bell. I serve as your youth pastor here at Generations Church. And you're like, oh, it clicked. Now I know why this guy is talking at me 100 miles an hour. Uh, and why I have no idea why he just told me that story. Uh, but I love serving at this church, and it's been a great honor uh, to get to know you over the last several months since me and my wife joined. Uh, and we have been in our series, Back to the Basics. Can you say Back to the Basics? The series is built off this verse right here. It's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says, Don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for the eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. Last week, Andrew spoke on reading the Bible, and he actually took the last two weeks. It was a part one and part two. If you missed it, you should check it out, because week one, he talked about your personal study life relationship and how we can use things like meditating and podcasts to get a deeper relationship with Jesus. And I know me personally, I've taken that in to my personal study life. Not always do I have an hour a day to read the Bible, but I generally always have 15 minutes to where I can do a guided study and a guided prayer, uh, and it's been super beneficial. And then last week, he talked about uh, uh, the soap challenge that we're going through as a church. Who's still doing the soap challenge? Psalm 119. Uh, man, hey, I'm going to come to each of you and make sure you know what verse we're on today, and you're not just raising your hand to look good. Um, but today, I want to break down witnessing. Can you say Witnessing. Let's open up this morning with a portion of scripture from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. The idea behind this series is talking about how to take back as a church to the basics of following Jesus and being a Jesus follower. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you for the ability for us to gather together under one roof to glorify you. And God, I pray that you could remove me out of the way, God, and that your words would flow through me. God, and that this message would not fall on deaf ears, God, but that we can be a people group that is changed today and that we leave here and we go bear witness for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name. Today, I want to keep it real basic, like really, really, really basic. I want to cover the five W's and an H of witnessing. Do you guys know what the five W's are? The who, what, when, where, why, and how to witness. It's kind of like if you've ever seen the movie Dodgeball, uh, the five D's of Dodgeball. It's 
dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. Yeah, I want to do that basic fundamentals of witnessing. And let's kick it off with an easy one. Who should you witness to? Witnessing is for everyone. Man, this is real simple. It's not just witnessing is for everyone, but witnessing we should all be doing it as well. It's all equally our responsibility. And to better understand what I mean by witnessing, let's think of it in times where we witness things in our day-to-day lives. When you get married, you need five signatures to complete your marriage certificate. And two of those are witnesses, people that watched your marriage ceremony take place. That's a witness. The guys of this church have witnessed how incredibly awesome I am at golf. That is a complete lie. They've witnessed how I can shoot triple bogey on every hole but still have a great time. Um, Witnessing. What is witnessing? That's our next one. What is witnessing? Witness, by definition, in its noun form, means this. A person who sees an event, typically a crime or accident, take place. Anybody in here had a witness testify against them in court? Maybe you got a a little bit of a past. That one cut a little too deep. You guys got real quiet there. Um, Witnessing as verb form means this. It means having knowledge of an event or change from personal, firsthand observation. Can I ask you a question today, church? Is how are you here today? How are you here today? And I don't mean what car did you drive in or did you walk or did you ride with a friend? I mean, how did you hear about Generations Church? Did someone tell you, hey, I go to this church, you should check it out. Or maybe you, you Googled a church in your neighborhood and we came up. Maybe you saw someone share something on Facebook. But when we are inviting people to church, that's witnessing. It's the very basics of saying, hey, I've gone there before. Maybe you should check it out too. You're putting yourself out there. You're making it personal. And, and I was thinking back this last week when I, I was like, how am I in church today? How am I in church today? And I, I called my dad, who was a pastor. And he told me the story of, of what got him to church. And I, then I was like, oh, my grandpa's a pastor, too. And, and so I, I called my grandpa, but his health's not doing too good right now. He's, he's battling cancer and chemo for what seems to be the hundredth time. But I was able to talk with my grandma, and she told me the story of, what got them to church. And she told me, you know, hey, Noah, we, we were raised not going to church. We would go off and on again. My grandma actually attended the church that Andrew's dad now pastors. And so you're like, hey, how do they know each other? That's kind of where it started is I'm from that area. But she told me, Noah, we, me and your grandpa were going to church for a long time when we were involved and we were serving a little bit, but we got hurt pretty bad by the church and we walked away. And then in 1975, when my dad was four years old, my grandpa's cousin invited him to what was called a tent revival. 
And they went. They took their four kids at the time, packed them up into the station wagon, and drove to this tent revival. And at the tent revival, they had a time of music. And then this, this pastor got up there and didn't even speak. He said, someone here tonight is going to dedicate their full life to Jesus. Is going to be a minister. And he pointed my grandpa out and said, that's you. You have a calling on your life. And what that minister did would not only change his life, but it would then change my dad's generation and my generation and my kid's generation. But none of that could have ever happened if my grandpa's cousin didn't invite him to church. And I loved hearing this story because one small invite to a church event changed my life. When you're inviting someone to church, you don't know what that third generation is going to look like. You don't know your small invite, your small act of faithfulness to what God has called you to could lead to the next person standing up here delivering a message similar to this because you're one small act of obedience. And I was so encouraged by this. And then I I talked to my dad, who's been a pastor for 28 years now, and and he served faithfully in the church. And I remember growing up, and there was times where I'd be like, Dad, why are you still doing this? He had to work two jobs just to support his family while working full-time for a church. And I saw how much it wore and tore on him. And he told me that he wasn't doing it for himself, but he was doing it for his grandkids. And when you realize that, it's so much bigger. And so the point three that I have is why should you witness? And it's that story right there of your small act of faithfulness can change generations. And so when I say everyone is a part of who should witness, I'm not telling you to stand on a street corner. I'm not telling you to go up and and talk to every random person you see and tell them about Jesus. That's that's not what I'm trying to get at, right? This morning, I want to look at the life of a man named Peter. Can you say Peter? Peter. Now say Simon. Simon. And now you're like, I thought we were talking about Peter, Noah. Why did you have us say Simon? Simon is Peter. Let's get into that. Uh, Who is this Simon Peter guy? Simon is Jesus' first disciple and is perhaps the greatest redemption story in the Bible besides the story of Jesus. And it starts out in the book of Luke chapter 5. It goes like this. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Verse 3, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse 4, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say, So 
I'll let down the nets again. Verse 6. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners into the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I am a sinful man. Verse 9, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Verse 11. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything and followed Jesus. I want you to understand a few things about this Simon Peter. When Jesus found him, he was a fisherman. And fishermen in this time were some of what were considered the most manly men. They were known for being pretty dirty people. They were known for having hot tempers and using lots of vulgar language. And they were most likely very, very uneducated. You see, Peter was a sinful man, yet Jesus wanted him to be a part of his inner circle. When Simon Peter encountered Christ's presence for the first time, he dropped everything and followed him. He not only gave up his identity as a fisherman, but he also left behind his whole life. He left behind his friends. He left behind his family, his job, his possessions. He left behind everything and followed Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When you follow Jesus, he gives you a new name. Let's look at when Simon transitions to Peter in Matthew 16. Verse 13 is Peter's declaration about Jesus. It says, when Jesus, became, or when Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that Son of Man is? Verse 14, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because your fa my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any other human being. Verse 18, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Because in Jesus you are given a fresh start. He gives you a new identity. Just like Simon 
Peter, you have the powers of heaven here on earth when you step in to your kingdomship with Jesus. And I don't want you to hear me wrong. This doesn't mean that when you drop everything and follow Jesus, that life is going to be easier. It's not the case. It doesn't mean that you're not going to run into problems. It doesn't mean that you won't still have your old tendencies. But God doesn't need you to be perfect to witness. See, Peter's close-knit relationship with Jesus proves that he longs for an intimacy with his followers. Norman people like you and me. Seeing how Jesus took an uneducated, simple man and loved him infinitely gives us assurance that he can do that for us as well. See, Peter grew in maturity, but he still stumbled. Matthew 14 is the famous scripture when Peter walks on water for a second. Right? This, this man that is the rock that which Jesus will build his church walked on water but then took his eyes off Jesus and sank. Or in John 18, Peter's the guy that cut off that guard's ear to try to protect Jesus. He says he was a zealous man. Or imagine this, one of the worst things we can do as Christ followers is what Peter did. He's the one that denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times before the rooster crowed. But God is famous for when we make mistakes, He makes mercy. Hear me, generations, you don't need to be a perfect person to witness. See, we are talking about witnessing right now, and I've given you the context for who Peter was, who Peter is, some things that Peter does, but let's check out how God uses Peter to witness in Acts 2, verse 36 through 41. 36 goes like this. So let everyone in Israel know that certain, know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their heart, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins. Turn to God and be baptized in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, this is the promise to you, to your children, for those far away, and for all that have been called by the Lord our God. Verse 40, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. For those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. 3,000 in all. This is the first recorded mass evangelistic mass witnessing event in the Bible. 3,000 people. And the message was simple. Repent. Turn away from your past. Get baptized. And now go tell others. Turn away. Get baptized. Now go 
tell others. This is what we are called to do. It's the good news, and we love to share good news. I don't know about you, but I love sharing good news. Me and my wife, Julia, just crossed six years in marriage yesterday. That's good news. You guys love to share your good news, right? I see posts on Facebook all the time from people in this church sharing the good news of how they're proud of their kids or things that happen with jobs or God answering prayers. We love to share the good news. And so when should we witness? See, I love Peter's life for this example. When should we witness? Because Peter is a person that has real, real mountaintop moments and some very, very low moments. And he's witnessing through it all. He witnesses about Jesus when he's in front of 3,000 in Acts 2. But then three chapters later in Acts 5, he is witnessing about Jesus while in jail. I'm going to summarize Acts 5 because I've been reading a lot of scripture today, uh, and I don't want you to fall asleep on me. Uh, But Acts 5, verse 17, tells us that Peter and the other apostles were thrown in jail. And then skipping down to verse 28, it says, this is the jail people speaking to Peter and the apostles and saying, we gave you strict orders not to talk about Jesus. Instead, you're, you're filling Jerusalem with his name and teachings about him. And then in 29 it said, but Peter replied, we must obey God and not you. And then jumping down to verse 33, they went before this high council who were furious and decided, let's just kill him. But one of the members of the high council who was respected by everyone says, hey, hold up, guys. Hey, Peter and the apostles, will you step outside for a minute? I need to talk to these guys. Like... Let's have a quick come to Jesus meeting. I don't think they said that, but I would imagine that. In verse 39, it said, If these men are from God and we overthrow them, you will be fighting against God. But if it's not, they will soon fade out. And so let's just let them go. In verse 40, it said the others accepted his advice and then they ordered them to go and never again speak about Jesus. And so they went and never spoke about Jesus again. Just kidding. Just kidding. Come on. That was verse 40. Guess what verse 41 says? The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them as worthy to suffer disgrace of the name of Jesus Christ. See, all of Peter's stumbles as a Christ follower did not cancel his identity in Christ. He refused to stop witnessing. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the first words that Jesus said to Simon Peter when he met in Matthew 4 was, follow me. And then the very last words that Jesus ever said to Simon Peter in John 21, 9 is, follow me. Because Jesus 
through, throughout all of Peter's life, still wanted him to be his follower. Through all of his mistakes, it didn't cancel the plans that God had for him. They did not disqualify him from being able to witness. When I was writing this sermon, I was reminded of when I was early, early on in leadership of a church. I was a part of a church plant where me and my wife were were serving on staff and we were all in. Like, man, we, we weren't paid a single penny, but we were working, man, 40, 50 hours a week for this church, just giving every ounce of life we had. We had just had our first daughter, Paisley, and so we had a newborn, and she was hanging out with us as we were planning this church till almost midnight, like every night. And one of the core leaders sat me down at what would have been our pastor's meeting. And he, he said to me this, these words. He said, Noah, there are two types of people in ministry. He said, there are those that are capable of doing ministry. And there are those that are available to do ministry. And he said, Noah, I want you to know that we're using you because you're available. But the second someone comes along that's more capable, they're going to take your spot. And this crushed me. I mean, this hurt me. This was someone I respected, someone I looked up to, someone that I trusted their words, and he had just crushed my spirit. He told me these words and I I wore them for so long in in this aspect of that I'm not good enough and that God isn't going to use me because I'm not qualified. But hear me, I wear that now. I love the fact that I will never, ever, ever be the most capable person, but Lord, am I available. Man, I won't be the best speaker. You might be here today and you're like, I know that. But what I'm saying is that God, my hand is raised. That I'll be available to where you're calling because Jesus chose passionate followers, not perfect people. He chose everyday people, not religious leaders. He chose those who were teachable and hungry, not scholars and experts. He chose men ready to serve, not proven leaders. He looked places no one ever looked and he saw things that no one ever saw. And he empowered them to do ministry. Are you empowered today, church, to do ministry? Because witnessing needs empowered people. If the enemy can't destroy your faith, he will try to dilute your calling. If the enemy can't destroy your faith, he's going to try to dilute the things that Jesus has already affirmed and confirmed in you. He will try to get you to doubt the things that God has spoken over your life. He will try to get you to question. Jesus needs people that are available. So it leads me to my fifth point. 
which is where should you start witnessing? Where should you start to witness? And for that, let's look back to Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere. And then it says, In Jerusalem, which no Jerusalem was their people. He said, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem. This is their friends and their family. But then he goes on to say, throughout Judea, which Judea was the place that initially had rejected them. You are called to be witnesses in places that have already rejected you. And then he said, into Samaria. This was known as being a place that was not only just next door to them, but being a place where they looked down on the people that followed Jesus, that they belittled Jesus' followers. And Jesus is saying, you're still going to be my witness there. And then he said, into the ends of the earth. He's saying, you are going to be my witness to complete strangers. But where should we start to witness? In your Jerusalem. Witness to your family. Man, we need more God-fearing families. We need more people that are so passionate about Jesus that coming to church on Sunday isn't enough. And when you start witnessing, the most important thing is you make it personal. We have so many things going on in the church right now that you can invite people to. You don't need to invite someone to church the first time you talk to them. That's not how witnessing works. Hear me, witnessing, like I said, is not preaching from the street corners. It's not running up to strangers and telling them to come to church. Witnessing is so much more than that. Witnessing is getting ready to know someone. Witnessing is saying, hey, friend or family member, it's been a while since we met up. Do you have time to get coffee this week? Do you have time to get food, maybe a burrito? I don't know what you want to do. But witnessing is being human. It's saying, how are you doing? It's saying, hey, we have a lot of cool things going on in our church, maybe. Saying, hey, maybe you invite them to the golfing outing. It's a great time where you can hang out on the golf course and maybe have a great time or maybe play good. Probably not both. Or we have other ministries like MOPS. We have women's ministry. Frank has a Bible study on Friday nights. We have our Facebook group, which if you're not in our Facebook group, please join it. This is the place where you can go when you're struggling and ask for your prayer requests. You can post it right on there. And we're just getting started. God is getting ready to do some big things in this church. I believe it. But we need more people who are willing to serve as well. We need more people in our community groups. We need more people. We want to eventually have a young adults group, but we need more people in the church to get there. 
And this church won't grow without witnessing. This ministry is designed to where when the enemy puts doubt in your mind, you have a support system. Witnessing needs a support system. Witnessing needs a place that you can go to to grow. For just like that capable and available, when someone tries to get you to doubt your calling, you have a support system that can come alongside you and tell Satan to go back to hell. So important. But you know, isn't it amazing that God wanted to be sure that the whole earth knew that when he said he gave his life for all, he meant all. He started his ministry with Peter, the swearing, uneducated, stinky fisherman, to make it clear, to show us how big his love was and how capable his grace is. That it can forgive all sins and give us everlasting life. And in closing, point six, I want to answer the last question, which is how to witness. And I have a challenge for you today, right? This whole Back to the Basics series, we're not leaving church without doing a practical application of it. We think it's so important. And so what the challenge I have for you is number one, is to reach out to someone that is normally here. If you look around, someone that's normally here, and just let them know you miss them. Don't do this if you're going to reach out and condemn someone. Okay? That's not witnessing. But it's to reach out and just say, hey, I missed you at church today. Do you want to get together this week? Hey, it's been a while since we connected. How can I serve you? Number two, I want you to reach out to someone that you know needs to be here. Whether it's a family member, whether it's a close friend, whether it's a coworker. And I want you to invite them, but not to church. I want you to invite them to get together with you. We're getting these invite cards made, and, and they're awesome because it says, join me for church. Because Inviting and witnessing has to be personal or else it'll just go on deaf ears. And so when we're doing this challenge, I want you to reach out and say those things I said earlier. Hey, do you have time to get coffee this week? Hey, how can I be praying for you? How can I serve you? What do you need? Do you have any physical needs that I can help meet? And I want you to send these texts before you leave church today. I mean, we all have someone we can think of. It's not here. And maybe you find out that they're just sick, and then you thank them for not coming to church sick. But I don't want sick people in church. I'm sorry. I want sick people, just not contagious people. Let me be clear. And then invite someone to get together with you. 
You will see benefits of this. I promise you that. And I want you to know the basics of witnessing. Go back to my very first story that I told you. They're the exact same as the basics of sales. I didn't tell you that story just to brag on how cool I am. They're this. The basics of witnessing are learning someone's name. That's huge. I'm terrible at learning names, so I'm sorry. But I try. I put notes on my phone to try to help me remember, and I'm still bad at it. Uh, but learn their name. Don't witness to someone that if you don't remember their name. Right? you got to be human. Number two, offer them a compliment. Man, tell them, hey, you're just so fun to be around. You have a contagious smile. Man, I, I'm so thankful to have you as a friend. Compliments go a long way. Number three, find some common ground. Do you both like baseball or the Chargers or the Rams? or What, what do you like? Find common ground and then build on that common ground. If you find out that someone likes football, say, hey, let's watch football together. If you find out that someone likes quilting, say, hey, come quilt with me. And then tell them a story. And this comes a little bit later, but tell them the story of how Jesus changed your life. Tell them the story about why you go to church. And remember to be human. And remember, you do not have to invite them to church on the first time that you do this. To be a witness and to bear witness. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you that we can be a body of believers passionate about spreading your gospel. God, that we would be a group of Christ followers. God, that look like you. I thank you for this church, your church, generations. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Hey, today we learned... Who needs to witness? What is witnessing? Why should we witness? When should we witness? Where should we start witnessing? And how to witness? And so would you go and witness to someone about Jesus today? Thank you. We'll see you next week. Or we'll see you at Bible study. Worship Worship night. Not Bible study. Not. Yeah.